Well, Happy New Year. I am going to break, I'm sure, some sort of cardinal sin of preaching. I'm giving a part two on the first Sunday of the year. How bizarre is that? So if you were here last week, uh, you've got a head start, but we're going to catch you up really, really fast. We talked about what does it look like to kick off the day with God. As we kind of think through our uh, year, as we have begun to make certain types of uh, New Year's resolutions, potentially things that we would like to see happen in our lives, in our families' lives, in our life with God, as we evaluate and reevaluate and look online for plans of how we can study the Bible devotionally or walk through the Bible in a year or whatever it is that we may do that uh, the new calendar year spurs us on toward. Last week, what we discovered was we, what we really want if we're following Christ is we want to be like the cake. The cake was over here on this side of the podium and one of our kids' chefs made this cake and stirred the egg all up in it and we uh, magically had the cake reappear and here's this cake and you know what? You could cut any slice of that cake and what are you going to find in there? You're going to find egg and just in that simple example, we said, you know what? That's, what? that's how we want our life to be, that at any point in time when we slice it, any part of the day, any dimension of our life, anything that we're a part of over the course of a 24-hour period of time, we want God to be in the mix. Not like the pizza where we're tempted to potentially take that pepperoni slice of Jesus and move it over and take them all and say, well, no, here's this slice right here. And you know what, Jesus, I'm not comfortable with you being in this slice of my life. At the end of the day or the beginning of the day or in the sports that I play or in the life that I live at work or in my phone life or in my late at night life, I'm uncomfortable with the pepperoni of you being in that. And we attempt to try to move him out of that slice. No, no, we want to be like the cake. We say, you know, that, that, that jives really well with this verse that we looked at last week, Psalm 113. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets the name of the Lord is to be praised. We also looked at this paraphrase from Eugene Peterson in Romans 12.1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. And what we decided last week was that in order for this to really take place from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, we've got to make sure that we kick off our day with him. And some of us are morning people, some of us are not, but I just brought this megaphone and put it in my, in my, uh, in, in my backpack here because I said, you know what we're going to do is we're going to shout, we're going to shout, and we did some ASL signs, and we're going to give a few more today, and we're all going to look silly doing them, right? And we're going to do this, and I'm going to encourage you not to practice these a lot outside of this building because somebody might get mad because I'm not certified. So I'm not going to pretend to believe that all these are exactly right, but shout, to God. And we said that's not just volume wise, but that's us saying, okay, God, I notice you. I notice you and who you are. And in this day, before anything else takes place in my life, I notice you. But not only do I notice you, God, the other thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to recognize what you feel toward me. And I, I, I borrowed this from Lindley, and she doesn't know this, so please don't tell her. 
but I've got, I've got this. And you know what? She loves these kind of blankets because it's got all these different textures going on, you know. And even as a three-year-old in our house, I can see her on this blanket at, in the afternoon doing a little nap or at night. And I can see her fingers just moving across, you know, because she loves the way that it feels. And what we want to do is we want to say, God, this morning, I want to love what it is that you feel about me. I want to know what it is that you feel about me, that you love me. That you feel deeply, that you created me, and that you care about everything that's going on in my life. And so that's going to be a part of the kicking off of my day, as well as, and we did that as the feeling, right? We did that as the feeling. And then we said, you know, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take God's word, whether it's a small piece or a big piece. Sometimes it depends on whether or not we're a morning or an evening person. And what we're going to do is we're going to hide. We're going to hide his word in our heart. And not only are we going to do that, but we're going to make sure that we also, and I brought my phone and put it in the backpack because here's what we want to do. We want to make sure that we speak to him. We want to speak to him. We want to speak to him about what's on our heart because you know what? He's a good God. He's a good father. Matter of fact, in the Sermon on the Mount that we looked at last semester, we looked at a portion of scripture where Jesus actually describes his father as a good father that wants to give good gifts. And so what we're going to do is we're going to speak to him. And so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to take that, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take this, and I'm going to take this. And in order for my life to be a part and look more like that piece of cake over there instead of that piece of pepperoni over there, I'm going to take this backpack, and I'm going to put this on, and I'm going to wear this all throughout the day. Now, how silly would it be? Some of us, many of us have kids that are starting back to school tomorrow. Imagine this backpack filled with books, with reading material, with their crayons and their glue and whatever is age appropriate. And you get it all set for them. And I can tell you, this has happened in my house. We get them all ready for what they're going to experience in their schooling life. And we set it by the door. And somehow, some way, they walk out the door having taken everything out. I don't know why. I'm not sure where it goes. It's in other parts of the house. It's upstairs. It's under a table. Some of the things that I put in here, we never find again. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. It is prone to happen. But you know what? It's not only prone to happen with our children. It's prone to happen with us. That we can start that way. Where I really do shout to God and feel what is going on in his uh, feelings toward me. And I hide his word even in my heart. As I go this morning, I was looking at Joshua who says, you know, here's what I want you to do. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the proclamation that needs to be. And I read that this morning. I thought, yes, that's what I want to start the year thinking about for my family. And so I've started of the day with that and I'm going to choose to speak to you God and then somehow some way by the time we get to work we look around and the backpack is gone and the day started off so strong and then what happened how could we have dropped it how do we drop it how do we keep that relationship with the Lord moving throughout all the slices of our life we're going to move through some verses that hopefully will help us with that one of them is 2 Corinthians 5 verse 6 through 9 I think the video was spot on. Uh, the video a minute ago talked about walking in the Spirit. How do we really do that? We could spend literally a whole series talking about how that happens, how we keep our eyes on Christ, how those elements with our relationship with the Lord help us move through the day. First, though, what I want to do is signal in on this 2 Corinthians 5, 6 passage. And what we're going to choose to do as we take the backpack and literally put it on is we're going to choose to walk. We're just going to choose to walk. What does that scripture passage say? It says, therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent 
uh, let's see, is that the correct? Yes, it is. Absent uh, from the Lord. For we walk by faith, verse 7, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and be at home with the Lord. Therefore, we also have as ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. The Apostle Paul writes, walk by faith. Walk by faith. And even though Jesus, I understand, is at the right hand of God interceding on my behalf and your behalf, and we know that to be true based on the book of Hebrews, I'm going to live in this world as if Jesus and I are physically walking next to each other throughout the day. We're walking together. And I know that is possible because by faith I believe that God's Spirit lives in me. And if I am a new creation, that he's going to give me everything I need to live for him in this life. We read this, we read this passage earlier in the service. I think it's interesting in the first chapter of the largest book of the Bible, in the book of Psalms, we find what not to do. That's how he starts that off, how not to walk, right? It says, how blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law, he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. So that passage says, this is how you are not supposed to walk. Don't take counsel from those who are not walking with God. It doesn't matter how much money they feel like they can get from you. It doesn't matter how much influence they've had over your life in the past. It doesn't matter how closely related they are to you. It doesn't matter how many other people think that they give really good advice. We talk to our small group leaders all the time about how the trump card has to be God's truth. That it's not about our opinion. We have a lot of opinions in this room. As Pastor Ryan already said, we have a lot of opinions even about things as sacred as the Lord's Supper, as communion. We have opinions that are very powerful, we believe in, such as what four teams really should have been in that playoff scenario. I had had an opinion about that. It's kind of blown up this week. I'm not bitter about it. We can get so passionate and we can attempt to be the Holy Spirit for others and do so with our opinions leading the charge. The question is, does Scripture charge us with the responsibility of stepping into people's lives and speaking the truth in love? Yes, but you know where the best context of that is? It's relationships, it's connection, it's small group. There are some balloons over there by the Welcome Center. We've transformed the whole Welcome Center this morning into this small group palooza moment where you can go in there and get some, get, uh, get some treats and get some fruit and get some dip and hang out and talk to some small group leaders. Talk to me after this service about what it looks like to be involved in a small group because you know what that's where life on life happens that's where connection happens that's where encouragement happens that's where affirmation happens and yes that is where speaking the truth in love happens that's where that should occur as we speak to one another verse 2 delight yourself in the law of the lord then you will yield fruit with your life What kind of fruit is he talking about? He's talking about fruit that lasts. I have a child right now who's working on a science project about bananas and about the ripening of bananas. 
And you know, I know you know this, you can buy a big, you know, four pound, 400 pound, I don't know, bunch of bananas at Costco. And what's going to happen is, uh, over time, a whole bunch of them are going to ripe all at the same time. You're not going to be able to eat them all at the same time. And then eventually what's going to happen is, there's a bunch of them that are not a bunch, a bunch of them that are not going to be any good for anything other than what? Probably smoothies and banana bread, right? And for some of us, we're even concerned about that, especially when they start to change shape so much that things start oozing out of them. And then you're going, you know what? I'm not even sure I feel good about that being in a smoothie. That fruit is not good anymore. What is it that is a fruit that lasts? What is God talking about? He's talking about fruit that has eternal effects. Lives transformed, changed, looking more like Jesus. God, help my life this year impact my family in such a way that they are changed. God, help me see the needs around me in such a way that people and their destination, their eternal destination is changed this year. Fruit that lasts. Galatians 5, gives us some of what that fruit looks like in our lives and in the lives of others as we walk with him, as we allow God's word that is hidden in our life to be moving actively throughout the decisions and choices that we make over the course of a day. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. I choose to walk. If you've seen The Hobbit, you know that in the second movie, Bilbo faces the dragon Smog. I think that's how you say his name. And, and, and spoiler alert, in case you haven't seen the second movie, uh, Bilbo does not kill the dragon. Now, he's successful in the battle, but the reason why he's successful is because of the supernatural ring that he's wearing. And I think that's an amazing allegory for how it is that we live the Christian life because we certainly do have an enemy that does have a mortal wound. This enemy will die. Spoiler alert, third movie. But as we walk and live in this life and do battle with this enemy who wants just the opposite of what God wants for our life, We are in a supernatural battle that it is necessary to carry this sword with us throughout the day. It is. And we wonder, how did that temptation overwhelm me? How did I fall so far? How did I mess up so bad in that discussion, in that conversation with my wife, with my husband, with my kids? How did that happen? It might just be that the sword of the Spirit was not firmly in place as we walked with the Spirit speaking those truths in our life. And you know, it happens to me. It happens to each one of us. John Piper wrote this in 1981. And if you'll just kind of hold on for a minute, I want to read this very vivid picture of what this battle looks like. He wrote this. Picture your flesh, that old ego with the mentality of merit and craving for power and reputation and self-reliance. Picture it as a dragon living in some cave of your soul. Then you hear the gospel, and in it, Jesus Christ comes to you and says, I will make you mine and take possession of the cave and slay the dragon. Will you yield to my possession? It will mean a whole new way of thinking and feeling and acting. And you say, but that dragon is me. I will die. 
He says, and you will rise to newness of life, for I will take its plan, and I will make my mind and my will and my heart your own. And you say, what must I do? And he answers, trust me and do as I say. As long as you trust me, we cannot lose. Overcome by the beauty and power of Christ, you bow and swear eternal loyalty and trust. And as you rise, he puts a sword in your hand and says, follow me. He leads you to the mouth of the cave and says, go in and slay the dragon. But you look at him bewildered. I cannot, not without you. And he smiles, well done. You learn quickly. Never forget my commands for you, do something, for, you, for you to do something are never commands to do it alone. Then you enter the cave together. A horrible battle follows and you f- feel Christ's hand on yours. At last the dragon lies limp and you ask, is it dead? His answer is, I have come to give you new life. This you received when you yielded to my possession and swore faith and loyalty to me. And now with my sword and my hand, you have felled the dragon of the flesh. It is a mortal wound. It will die. This is certain. But it has not yet bled to death. And it may revive with violent convulsions and do much harm. So you must treat it as dead and seal the cave as a tomb. The Lord of darkness may cause earthquakes in your soul to shake the stones loose, but you build them up again and have this confidence. With my sword and my hand on yours, this dragon's doom is sure. He is finished and your new life is secure. I read that this week and I thought, wow, how in the world could somebody who lives this life say following Jesus is boring? That there's a better life. That there's a better plan. That I would actually have a better plan for my life. And you know what? I realize too that what happens is as I walk with God, there are times when I am quite tempted to lie this backpack down. Times of integrity when nobody else is looking. Times when it's just me and God. And it's not going to hurt anybody else, you know, because it's just what I'm doing. Maybe it's moments when money is involved. That's a time when I'm tempted to lie down the backpack because it's in those moments that I find it so very difficult, right, to truly place my trust. The fourth leading cause of suicide in the United States is mismanaged money. I worked for this. This is mine. I deserve this. My kids are used to this lifestyle. But you don't realize I'm a slave to that house note and that car note and that ex-wife note and whatever other note I have. Don't you know the cost of college? And we are challenged by our finances and tempted to lay the backpack down. And we forget that our God is so big and so mighty and so awesome. There's nothing that he cannot do. But I think we're all, you know how else we're tempted? We're also tempted when, as we're doing the walk. You know when else we're going to be tempted this week? When life gets fast. When, it gets, when the pace starts to pick up, and we're about to move into that tomorrow, right? With school and the day after with school for other people, it starts. And it's just, it starts to move so fast. I, I, I don't feel like I was able to catch a break. I mean, at least Pastor Ron, you know, had some surgery and was on drugs and just laid out. <laughs> I had something far worse. I had family for like 10 straight days staying with us. I'm just kidding. It was fine. It was really fine. But you know what? I feel exhausted. I feel tired. I feel more tired than if I had gone somewhere because it's like everywhere there's people and cousins and the weather didn't operate. And so nobody left outside. (laughs) 
And you know what? We get into those moments and it gets so crazy. Whether it's the holidays or the week after. And we're tempted to put the backpack down. Because the pace is rushed and we begin to lose compassion and community and connectedness. And genuine faith gets thrown out the window. And we forget that this is not a dress rehearsal for life. This is life. Where am I tempted to drop it? Can I just say, I don't know if you picked this up earlier, but there's a room right over here with some balloons. There's a place where you can get connected with some small groups that are wide open and ready to help us link arms together so that we're not dropping the backpack. So that we continue on shouting out to God and feeling what he feels about us and hiding his word in our heart and speaking to him about what's on our heart all throughout the day as we do the walk. But I I think there's one other piece throughout the day that we have to be aware of, and it's this piece of giving. And, you know, we're real good at that in the summer. We throw a bunch of mission trips together, and they are incredible. We've got a mission trip coming up this summer to Belize again. As a matter of fact, the people who are putting that trip together, if you're interested in that, there's a planning meeting that's going to take place, and this is a really cool, I love this idea, right? The planning meeting is going to be at Muya. How about that? A burger and talk about missions. Next week, right after this service, 11 o'clock, just a mile or two down the road. 11 o'clock, kids can play on the chalkboard, we can hang out, have some burgers, talk about missions, 11 o'clock next week. That's great. Hope you'll be there if you're interested in that trip. Matthew Harding, a team in India right now on mission. Fantastic. You know what? Internationally, that's where we think sometimes. When we think give, what am I going to give to? What am I going to give to locally? And we look at Chin Ministry and we look at the ways in which our families came together and really supported those religious refugees over the holiday season. But you know what? Giving is more than just the summer and it's more than just Thanksgiving to New Year's. How do I do that every day as I walk? How do I give? Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I think this simply means I'm going to walk throughout the day allowing his eyes and, my, and his heart to be my eyes and my heart. That when Jesus looked out with compassion as sheep without a shepherd, that my heart would look out with compassion. You know, it is a crazy world that my family lives in. I've got kids that really like three different sports. And so we're just like, we're not, we're not psychotic as some of you are to do the select thing. I don't even know how we could do that with five kids. But we do have them in different sports. And, you know, we've got the volleyball thing going and the soccer thing going and the baseball thing going. And, and as crazy as all that is, you know what I looked back on this past year and thought about? Those conversations I had with different men. On the practice field, watching the games, talking about life, talking about family, talking about wives, talking about church, talking about strategy, talking about ISIS and Obamacare and everything, everything else you can imagine, talking about God. Sometimes God's name came up complimentary, sometimes in vain. It's just a variety of different conversations. 
And we're hanging out and we're talking. And I look back at those conversations and I think, you know what? Some of those moments I missed. I missed the opportunity. I did not choose to step in and really step in and allow God's spirit to lead. And some of them were amazing conversations where God's story was fused in with what he's doing in my story. And I was able to listen to their story. And that's how God wants us to give our life away. And sometimes we're going to really get it. And sometimes it's going to be a disaster and we're going to go, okay, God, thank you for second chances. But you know what? What he's called us to do is give our life away. To give our life away as we walk. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Not the ministry of comfort. Not the ministry of how much more comfortable can I feel in 2015 than I felt in 2014? If that's our goal, then I wonder if we're really seeking to lie, lay down our cross and follow Jesus. Because that's going to mean relationships at times get far more uncomfortable. That's going to mean my life starts to look less and less like the lives of so many in this world. Or is Jesus just going to be relegated to that piece of my life that is labeled church stuff and it's not really in every slice of the cake i choose to walk and as i do to give god give me the courage and the steps necessary to give my life away last two quickly i choose to connect i choose to connect this involves finishing well something the university of pittsburgh and baylor did not do very well this past week they did not finish well They forgot there was a fourth quarter. And I think what we do, quite honestly, is we forget there's a fourth quarter of every day. Because we may have even done well with this backpack all the way through work. And then we get home and put it down. And the enemy goes, now's my shot. Now I'm going to really work on what it is in the places I know that I can harm you and your family the most. So is this the picture of your home? You get home, everyone comes to the door, they greet you, welcome father, welcome mother. Come on in, dinner's ready. The kids have been cooking up some special homemade sauce with herbs from the backyard and homemade bread, and you sit down and have amazing conversation. It like brings tears to the eyes. It's so heartfelt. And then everybody pitches in together to clean up everything, and it takes like two and a half minutes. And then as soon as that's done, you realize, wow, all the kids' homework is done. It's finished. And, and, and so, the, Dad, you move into the garage because you're working right now on uh, carving this dining room table with chairs, with your boys, with, uh, with scenes of the Old Testament on every chair. And Mom, you're over here and you're like working on this documentary upstairs with your daughters about family life. And you're hoping that PBS is going to pick it up. And it's all about your family. And it's beautiful. And everybody comes back together and prays and huddles and gets ready for the next day and you retreat into your home into into your little bedroom there where you're working on your own personal commentary of Romans and that's how you end the day. You go, no, not hardly, right? That doesn't look anything like what tomorrow is going to look like. 
Because you know what? I'm going to wake up way too early and I'm going to say all the words I need to say in the day before I get home. And the weight of the world is still going to be on my shoulders and I'm going to drop that backpack. And you know what? What does it really matter anyway? Because everybody's going their own directions and the dinner's in the fridge. And I'm going to wind up being a chauffeur to take kids somewhere and I'm going to sit in the car and I'm going to wonder, what is really going to happen with this life? Is this really all there is? Is my life going to land somewhere between 18 and counting and Mari Povich? I guess that's it. And what God wants you to know is, no, hold on. What I've called you to do is hold on to that backpack in the most critical day, time of the day with your family. And connect with them. Connect with the people that you love. And I don't know what that really looks like for you. I don't know whether it means doing something really creative and crazy or something really relaxed. Asking open-ended questions, being in your kid's world in some kind of way, inviting them into yours. Being spontaneous, thinking of ways to give yourselves away to others. Sharing life with other believers in a small group. There are some balloons right out here. But what we're going to do is we're going to connect with the people that we love. And then finally, what we're going to do is we're going to rest. Now, I read the craziest story this week. It's about a Vietnamese man. This Vietnamese man, for over 30 years, has not slept. Over 30 years. He's got some medical condition. He has not slept. I read this quote from his wife. She says, my husband used to sleep well, but these days, even liquor cannot put him down. I would tell you what this guy's name is, but I'm not even going to try. Sleepless nights, it says, allows him to do extra farm work or guard his farm at night against thieves. Quote, I used three months of sleepless nights to dig two large, pounds, uh, to, two large ponds to raise fish, he said. Recently, it was reported, he says, he has reported that he has started to feel grumpy due to the lack of sleep. <laughs> 33 years later. You know, starting to get a little grumpy. That's, that's not how we were designed to live, certainly. As a matter of fact, what God's word said is Psalm 4, 8, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. What does that mean? I, I like Victor uh, Hugo's response, quote, Go to sleep with peace. God is awake. God says, will you just trust me? Stop worrying. Stop working. Allow sleep to pay dividends on the next day. Psalm 127, too, it's useless to rise early and go to bed late and work your worried fingers to the bone. Don't you know he enjoys giving rest to those he loves? So I'm going to walk through this life, recognizing that there are moments when I am tempted to put this down Moments of integrity, moments where money's involved, moments when the pace of life just really speeds up. And as I walk, I'm going to say, God, please open my eyes to where I can give my life away. And then I'm going to come home and I'm going to make sure that I keep this backpack on because I want to connect with my family. You know what? You know how that works? How that really works? How that works is I remain selfless. And I remain selfless by being thankful.
And I remain thankful by opening up this backpack and pulling out Lindley's blanket and going, God, you are so very good to me. You love me so much. And you know what? That love pushes me towards gratefulness that I just want to give my life back. And I'm so thankful, God, for the family that you've blessed me with and the kids that are here and my spouse and the relationships in my life. And I, I, boy, you know what? It's going to be really hard for me to be selfish while I'm thankful for them. And so I'm going to connect with them and I'm also going to connect with the God I love. And I'm going to say, God created me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Restore to me, God. This day has tried to rob so much. God, restore to me the joy of my salvation. And then I'm going to rest, knowing that he's got it. That he's big enough to handle it. Because you know what? The day started with me proclaiming, shouting, that he's big enough. And the day's going to end with an acknowledgement that he is. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for loving us and for meeting us in this place to speak your words to lives, God, that are going to get crazy. If the holidays weren't crazy enough, we're, things are about to move into hyperspeed and God, help us to just pause and see how we can keep the backpack on throughout the day as we allow you to speak words over us that you are worthy, that you love us, that your word is filled with spades of truth and that you care about what's on our heart. And so God, as we remember that throughout the day, God, help us to walk with you and to serve and give our lives away, connecting with those we love, connecting with you and resting that you really are in control. God, help us to live a life that looks like the cake with you all mixed up in every bit of it. All for your glory, God. 